Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. As always, we want to take a moment to remind you of why you are here today listening to our podcast. Thank you for that, by the way. Very much thank you. Yeah. If you are investing your valuable time into our podcast, it's because you understand the truth behind Albert Einstein's words. Problems cannot be solved by the same level of thinking that created them. So if you want to find financial freedom, make more money, quit your 9 to 5 job, or if you want to increase your bottom line, be a better investor, or be a better business owner, then you must follow the number one rule in business, which is be of service to others. Business Bros would love to help you maximize your profits by helping you find ways to be of service to more people alongside our fellow entrepreneurs and the Money Coaching Club, a.k.a. E equals MC squared. So please visit our website, www.csfirst.com. That's S-I-A-S-F-I-R-S-T.com. And as you listen today, remind yourself of these three questions regarding today's topic. Why did you get into business in the first place? What if you found a way to implement what we're talking about today? And how can I get to the next level? By scheduling your free coaching call today. That's the easy one. That's the next level. All right, let's continue our conversation with what every old entrepreneur wishes they'd done differently. So, I mean, we've already talked about the first six points. We've uh, we've talked about that the fact that they wish they that fumble there. Okay, so they wish <laughs> that the fastest path uh, is not to reinvent the wheel. Well, it's not their wish. They understood that the fastest path is not, path is not to reinvent the wheel. Um, that the wheel has already been invented just hop on and roll on to the next level just hop on the bandwagon you already know the formula just be a part of what the rest of the rich people are doing thanks dude that, that was a i got you a it's all good right yeah there. it's all good it's all, all right good. we've already talked about number two <laughs> <laughs> we talked about number two that they should have kept their powder dry and invested in more earlier and uh during the times of great opportunity Number three, we said that they should have forced themselves to do what they didn't want to do when they didn't want to do it, and that they should have learned how to do it at a higher level, right? We talked about number four, which is that they should have paid themselves first instead of last or when there was something left, the importance of paying yourself first. We talked about that it takes everyone at least five times as long as they wanted or thought it would to do anything in their business. Right. And uh, the last thing we talked about is that they should have created multiple sources of income and done that as early as possible. Right. Those are the first six points that we covered in our uh, yesterday's podcast. So now we're going to hit the next subject. Jumping on into number seven. Number seven things they wish they would have done differently that they would have not allowed their ego to be seduced into non profit driven decisions wow what does that mean so i mean there are a lot of things that we do in business when we first think about getting into business right um people who first think about getting into real estate they think about it they're like you know what i want to get into real estate because i want to pay off my debts i want to make a lot of money i want to drive around looking at houses all day no hell no that's not (laughs) what they're talking about right they want to they realize the magical opportunity that real estate is right the bill the the commissions that you earn for the amount of work that you do it's just ridiculous and there's no other business that you can get into where you can have millions of dollars in inventory that cost you nothing 
really right i mean you get the license you can go out you get a contract with this person to to sell their house and you have an you have basically inventory of something that is not yours but you make money when you sell it right so there's there's the beauty there but somewhere along the way you get convinced that your job in real estate is to build a team or to build your brand or to buy billboards or mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know to build a big social media following and, and you lose sight of what it is that you got in the business in the first place right which was to make a profit to be of service to others to make a profit instead you start doing things that are ego driven putting up a big billboard or or doing a lot of transactions through your team those are ego things right you get an award you're the best look Mm -hmm. at my face Mm -hmm. right this is all ego driven things instead of focusing your your efforts on doing the things that are actually going to produce you profit things like picking up the phone and making that phone call knocking on that for, uh, for sale by owner or that expired door right doing the follow-up that's necessary mm-hmm. this is this is you know we, we get we get so engulfed in our ego that we start really using something like fear to drive what our decisions are making right so like what's the difference between fear and ego let me uh, let me go into a, a little what side is note the here. difference between fear and ego uh, I don't know I would say maybe the ego is affected by fear um close the ego is the ego is more like using the effects of fear okay to stop you from doing things so let me give you an example okay so let's say you're a real estate agent right Mm -hmm. you and i are in the car i'm your coach i'm your real estate coach we're driving right because you you're where we've left dinner because you took me to a really awesome dinner because I've helped you make so much money, right? In your right, real estate right. practice. Took me to an awesome dinner. We're on our way. And we drive down this residential area and there's a for sale by owner sign. Right there on the front. Right there on the front. And you look at me because you already know what I'm going to tell you to do. Call him. No, even worse. Go knock on the door. I'm going to tell you to go knock on the door, right? And your heart starts pounding, right? You stop. You're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And your heart starts pumping, right? You start feeling it. You get maybe a little clammy. You start getting a little sweaty. You have an elevated heart rate, right? And you're going to get ready to knock on the door. All those feelings are your ego building up inside of you. I hope I Let, hope that we got like enough suspense on that whole thing. Right? Like I hope that somebody listening is like understanding like, oh, yeah, no, I, I know that feeling. Yeah, it, most of us do, right? Because we'll drive by a place and we're like, oh, yeah, no, he's probably already busy or already sold. We have some yeah. sort of excuse in our head. Oh, yeah, we always have the excuse. Right? That's yeah. the ego blocking us. But let's think about, you know, and here's the thing. When you knock on that for sale by owner's door, is there going to be like a T-Rex that pops out and eats you? Not unless you're selling to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> so why would I say that? Okay, so let's let's use the T Rex for example. You know, there was a time when maybe a T Rex would come out and eat you sixty five million years ago. Right? Okay, sure. And if you're walking down the street and you see a T Rex, what happens? You get an elevated heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You start getting a little clammy and sweaty. For sure. Right? You start thinking, oh, man. You start heavy breathing. Well, oh. yeah. You're about to die. Like, so literally, these, you're going to die. Well, you don't know that yet. T-Rex maybe hasn't seen you. But that's how you feel. That feeling is the same feeling that you're getting when you're about to knock on a door. I'm pretty sure knocking on the door is probably worse. Well, <laughs> it's, it's not. But the, the, my point no, is... No, I mean, the, the, for a lot of people, I'm pretty sure that fear... You, you know, they say that uh, greatest 
greatest fear is to speak in front of people that people would rather die. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you see the T-Rex, you're like, oh, crap, I'm going to die. Oh, wait, I have to go talk to somebody? Like, I'd rather die. But that's my point is that your ego is pretending, is feeding on your ability to what, what you feel of. What you, the things that you feel as fear is mm-hmm. the way your ego is beating you, right? Your ego is stopping you from going to knock on that door. It's like a self-defense mechanism for your ego. It is. It is. And that's that's really what's stopping you, right? So your egos are seducing you from doing nonprofit activities. The ego is what's stopping you from knocking on that door. The ego is the thing that's stopping you from picking up the phone and calling that expired listing. The ego is the one that's stopping you from following up after one time because you're afraid that maybe they have some weird story that you made up in your head that the reason why they're not answering your call. So the the ego is creating this fear or protecting you from this fear of being rejected, of being told no, right? But that fear, that feeling that you have is the same feeling that you would have if you came face to face with a T-Rex. I'm just saying that once you understand that that feeling exists when the next time you're about to knock on the door and you start feeling those same feelings Mm -hmm. you can identify it and you can make a choice you can make a conscious effort you understand at that point that oh oh i know what that is i know that feeling that little that little thing i don't know for for me it's like a like almost like butterflies in your stomach or like a frog in your throat right like those are the two things that i feel when i start to get nervous right i start to feel either like nodding in my stomach or like my throat kind of gets constricted constricted a little bit that's how i personally feel it maybe for other people i've seen other people that when they get nervous they they literally their face turns red right and they they start getting a little warm and a little clammy but the point is when you feel these things when you're about to do a dollar productive activity, you at least know this is not real fear. This is my ego starting to stop my productivity. This is something that I can push down. This is something that I can control. Oh, and you know, and almost make it a game with yourself. Oh, huh, there it is. Right? Oh, ego. There you are. Oh, there you are. You can start talking to him like he's Hang an on. actual thing. Let me put a coin in there because that's me getting rid of the ego. There you go. See? <laughs> so, you know, what uh, what some entrepreneurs say is that they wish they sh- they shouldn't have allowed their egos to be seduced into nonprofit driven uh, decisions. So not be seduced where either your ego is like what we normally see our ego as big headed, right? Where we're doing things that are making us big headed. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is the ego that's stopping us from doing the things that are duller productive. Right, right, because we're living in fear of rejection. We're living, and I'm hesitant because now I don't. Now that I know what it is, I don't want to call it fear. It's not fear anymore. Now it's your ego pretending to be fear. Okay. Right? Fear would be I'm crossing the street and, oh, damn, a car's coming and, like, I need to move out of the way now. That is fear. That's legitimate fear. Fear for your life. Right? You're walking down the street and you see a rabid dog. That is fear. Right. Right? Those are real fears. But the ego is just protecting you from rejection. That is ego. So as long as you stop calling it, oh, I'm afraid to do this, you're not afraid. Your ego is stopping you. Your your ego is creating that sensation. As long as you can acknowledge that, you have the ability to fix it. Yeah, it takes away that excuse. It takes away that excuse. All very right. good, very good. All right, moving on to number eight then. Number eight. Go ahead, read no. number eight. Uh, every old entrepreneur wishes that they would have dumped the losers faster and doubled down on the winners regarding many things. Regarding many things. Staff, for example. How many times do we 
hire somebody and we become friends with that person and they just don't show up on time. Mm. They take a numerous amount of breaks. They don't do what they're supposed to be doing when they're mm-hmm. assigned to, mm-hmm. but you you know that they have kids or, you know, and they just kind of string along. Those are Those are costing you money. Yeah. Right. We need to find a way to cut those types of things or you're building this huge team and your profit margins aren't very big, but you're closing a lot of transactions, winning awards. And for some reason, that's okay. Right. Maybe I should. Even though the profit margin isn't there. Even though the profit margin isn't there. Why aren't you in, in real estate? Why aren't you just being a listing agent with maybe one or two admin staff helping you out to mm-hmm. do paperwork mm-hmm. and stuff? You would be much more profitable. Then if you had buyer's agents, uh, you had people doing showings, photographers, and you know, a whole staff of teams. There's yeah, no need yeah. to be doing all that, right? So cut the losers and double down on the winners, right? Winners like buying rental properties. I should have been buying a lot more when the market was down. Yeah. Why didn't I do that, right? Always looking back at that sort of stuff. All right, number nine. Number nine. Uh, every old entrepreneur wishes that the booms and busts in their own personal economies or wish wish that they realize that the booms and busts in their own personal economies are optional right wow they they are let me let me read that one more time the booms and busts in your own personal economies are optional they are like they knew that they needed what they needed to do on a daily basis most people know what they need to do on a daily basis to be productive or do they right because oftentimes when we talk to different agents in the Money Coaching Club and we talk about what it is they do on a daily basis, they tend to categorize things called work when those are things that are really being busy, not things that are being productive, right? They're not money-making activities that they're doing, but they think that they're money-making activities. How do, they, how do we translate that? You know, if we can, if we can turn their perspective around, say, look, these are the things that you need to focus on in your business. These are the money productive activities. And as long as you do these things on a daily basis, you will not have to suffer the roller coaster booms and busts, feast or famine that other people do. Right. They knew the, the skills they needed to build on to be ready. We know that the market, the real estate market is changing. So we know agents need to bulk up their skills in specific areas. But are you doing it? Probably not. And if you should be probably doing it, you should be building up those skills and you don't know where to go. That's where coaching comes in, right? They knew it, but they let their ego stop them from doing what they needed to do when they didn't want to do it and doing it at a high level. Their ego is stopping them from going to CSFirst.com and clicking on the free coaching call, right? They're thinking, what's going to happen? Well, maybe I can do it on my own. Well, what if they tell me I'm doing something wrong? What if I have to make a change? Right? All these fears, quote unquote, are your ego stopping you from going out and getting the coaching that you need so that you can stop worrying about booms and busts in your own personal economy. Do you want a cash flow business? Yes or no? If you do, you know what you need to do. If you don't want a cash flow business, then you know what? You're probably better off going and getting a job at Home Depot or Costco or in and out They got great healthcare plans in their, in their uh, employment, right? Because if you're in business to make a profit, then you need to focus your attention on doing the things that will make you that profit. And having an outside coach, having that accountability is going to help you get there, right? CSFirst.com. Click on the free coaching call. Get going. I mean, decide. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to live in a boomer bust personal economy, Ham? No, I sure don't. I want consistency. 
you know what? I, I like the idea of when the economy's down, I'm making more money. And mm. when the economy's on its way up, I'm making more money. Yep. I like that idea. Mm. Why can't why why can't I help other people make it that into reality? Well, you absolutely can. All they gotta do is go Sign to our up. website, get a free coaching call. You can there do you it go. too. You can do it too. All right, number All ten. Right, number ten. Uh, n- lesson number ten: Learn from every old entrepreneur wishing they'd done things differently, that they had spent too much time worrying about silly stuff that didn't lead to profit, like team culture and branding. Ooh, team culture and branding. All right. So, drama will always be interesting, but it will also be time consuming. Right, so the wife likes to watch a lot of these different drama shows, like Ninety Day Fiance mm-hmm. or Real Housewives. Sure, and I'm sure. always tripping out. Like, why do you watch that stuff? I don't get it. But the drama, right? It's the argument. It's that. It's that necessity for I don't know conflict that they look for. Mm-hmm. Right, that people look for on a daily basis. It's why people watch the news. They like that that negative uh, storyline. It's it's really you know hooking. Right? It yeah. really grabs yeah, you. It does. So that drama is there, but it is also very time consuming. You know, you're you, and as far as 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 you know, building a team culture or branding, look, your brand is built on your reputation, on your reputation of being of service, but only if you actually are of service. Right? You you don't have a brand or a reputation if you've never done anything. Or you do have a brand or a reputation, but it's not one you, that you necessarily want to bank on. No, well, yeah. I mean, I mean your brand or reputation could be the guy who does nothing. Exactly. Right? But thinks he does something. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you really got to think about what it is that you're doing. Focus your efforts on being of service to other people. And believe me, when you take action and and help people achieve their goals, your reputation and your brand, it will follow. Right. People know that when you've helped them buy their house, when you've helped them, you know, when there was build their business, build their business or when you've helped them when there's a car accident and you've made them whole with their insurance policy or you you help them lower their premium or you've helped them finish their tax return or save money for become uh, a badass listing agent or become whatever it is. Right. When you do these things that are being of service to other people, your reputation is being built one transaction at a time one service to another person at a time and they will refer you and you will have a following you will have a brand but it takes action for you to build that brand it's not over there it's not you being on facebook and putting little videos here and there or doing one small daily podcast it's actually getting out and doing it right right yep i mean we could be doing our daily podcast with nobody listening and it wouldn't be of service to anybody but we take what we learn, what we we take what we talk about, and we do our presentations, and we do our money coaching club trainings, and we teach our agents what to do. And those things that we perfect as we talk about them on the podcast, those things when we're of service to them are what's building our brand. Very well said. Right? Very well said. All right. Lesson number 11 that every old entrepreneur wishing they'd done differently knew, that they didn't have to spend so much on their kids' education. Ooh, man, you're hitting some. Ooh. You're gonna be pushing some buttons here, well, I'll buddy. Push some buttons. You're gonna be pushing some buttons right here. But look, look, you're you as a parent are not responsible for paying for the most expensive college that your kid wants to go to because they have their nice colors or because nice colors, man. Your kid wants to go to Harvard because it's Harvard, not because they're. I get it. Colors. I get it. But, but, first of all, if the kid is qualified to get into Harvard, mm-hmm. 
then the kid is qualified to apply for scholarships since ninth grade. And presumably they would have been doing that. And if your kid, if you want to be the <laughs> if best. If your kid is going to get into Harvard, they knew they were getting there since ninth, ninth grade. Since ninth grade. So your child, if you're, if I mean, this is, this is a, you know, it, it is going to hurt, might hurt some feelings, but good. Think about this for a second. If you really want to put your kid through college, then your kid's job since they start ninth grade is to start applying for every single small scholarship they can possibly get and start building their bank account. It's their job. That's what they're going. That's what they're doing. If they're going to go to college, it's not you as the parent's job to pay for their college. It's you as a parent's job to provide a roof over their head, to put food on the table, to give them a place to study, to give them encouragement to get to where they want to go to. It's not for you to pay for everything for the rest of their life. Right? Put them in a great position to be able to do that for themselves. Right. Now, should you pay for some college? Heck yeah, you probably should. You should probably have, you know, like a 529 plan, something for the kids, right? But maybe your job is, you know what? I'm going to pay for your local state college university. This is the tuition that I'm willing to pay for your college. You know, $10,000 a year, $15,000 a year for four years. This is the budget that you got. This is what I set aside for you. Anything above that is your responsibility. You are an adult now. By all means, you want to go to Stanford? This is what it costs? You start now in ninth grade and start building that stock uh, stockpile of scholarships to pay for that tuition that you want to pay for. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying you're wasting too much of your money paying for Stanford when it's not your responsibility to pay for Stanford. Yeah, I, I mean... Wow. Your responsibility is to take <laughs> care of your kid and then get yourself into retirement to find your financial stability so that, you know what? Maybe your kid doesn't do that great a job. Maybe they go to Stanford for a year and drop out. Maybe they go to Stanford Ooh. for all four years and then can't find a job that they want to in their career field and have to have a place to come home. Your job is to be get your kid ready to go. Your job is not to pay the most for the most expensive college. I mean, budget yourself. If your kids want to go to college... I mean, set the budget just like you would for any other bill. I love this. This is definitely uh, potentially controversial. And so any hate mail that you want to send, send that over to Hernan at csfirst.com. <laughs> really, <laughs> love, <laughs> really love to see those comments. Or hit us up on Twitter at Business Bros Pod. And uh, yeah, give us a shout out. Let us know what you think on this topic. But you know what? I Honestly, I, I would take on that challenge. I would love for you to send me an argument why it is your responsibility as a parent to pay for the most expensive college experience for your child. Mind you, this is the brother that actually has kids. Yeah. Okay, so he does have kids, he's got two of his own, and he's making this argument. I have none, so I have no place to speak, but like I said, hit us up. Look forward to hearing that one. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Number Lesson 12. number 12 that every old uh, entrepreneur wished they knew. That they could, should have become, oh, this one's going to be specifically for realtors. Uh, that they should have become a powerful listing agent or for insurance agents, commercial agent sooner. You know what? We're going to translate this one to a more general sense, right? For real estate, yeah, you want to be that powerful listing agent. For insurance, you want to be that commercial insurance agent. But this is transferable to other industries as well. And what it takes, right, is focusing... Whoops, there goes there goes one of my quarters, right? Okay, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, what it takes is focusing on 
productive activities that allow them to be of service to more people. I think there was at least another MK in there somewhere. <laughs> Still working on it. All right, so you want to discover how to best leverage your time and energy in the industry that you're in. So yeah, we said for a real estate agent, you need to be a listing agent. It's a more mentally intense it's more mentally intense than it is on the buying side. Buying side is very physical labor. Listing side is more mental labor. You need to polish the skills, but you have a much more. Uh, there's a uh, for there's me. A, uh, you have much, you have the ability to make much more money as a listing agent than you can as a buyer's agent, right? On the insurance side, um, be there's another. Uh. All right, on the insurance yeah, side. Yeah, we were doing so well. It I seemed know. Like the, like, it seemed like we were doing so well this whole episode, and now all of a sudden, I, started throwing, I start throwing those MKs in there, and boom, you're hitting me with the uns. Ugh. By the way, we're still continuing with our quarters every time we, uh, oh, there's an uh, every time we say uh or MK. So last episode, we had $1.25. We did really good. We yeah. were very conscious of every word that we said, every uh, every phrase that we uttered. This time... We're probably at about a buck twenty-five in the last forty-eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back on this. So, right, and it's always trying to make yourself better. Right? Ultimately, that's what it is here. We're trying to make ourselves better on the podcast so that we're better of service to you, and that's really what it comes down to when you're trying to make yourself uh, the more powerful xyz type agent in your industry so if you're a tax preparer you're thinking about uh or an enrolled agent or a cpa you're talking about i know i heard the uh are you talking about being a uh maybe working on corporate versus personal returns right we're talking about bookkeeping we're talking about other different types of things that are gonna streamline what it is that you're doing versus working on the busier labor intensive things so what in your industry is probably the most leveraged field of study you you pretty much know they're the people in your industry that everybody puts on a pedestal right that's what tends to happen yeah that's what tends to happen the ones that are on the pedestal the ones that are the quote-unquote smart people or the uh top the top producing people that's the stuff that's leveraged. That's where you want to get to. And and honestly, it's not really very difficult. Look at what they're doing on a daily basis and start replicating that sort of process. So they wish they would again going back to that first that first uh, lesson that we talked about, which don't is reinvent don't, reinvent the wheel. The wheel. don't reinvent the it's wheel. It's already there. Find the people that are most successful in your industry. Find out what they do and figure out how to leverage it for yourself. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to number thirteen. Thirteen. Number 13 lesson learned uh, is that they should have nurtured their database and created a higher level of repeat and referral business. Ooh, wow, that's so good. You know, that's that comes down to the uh, follow-up rules. Oh, uh, I said, uh. There it is. That goes back to the follow-up rules. You know, I mean, being able to get on the phone and, or first of all, classify your leads into A, B, or C leads or dump them into the D D list category where we're calling them not as frequent, but doing that follow up, right? And calling them. And even if they're not in the buying window, always asking the same thing, right? Who do you know that can benefit from working with me? Who do you know that I can be of service to in your, you know, state, whatever industry you're in, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever it is, but always asking for that referral, nurturing that database. Those are your people. Right, right, get right. to know them, invite them places, be be part of their community, help mm-hmm. them out, even if it's not in the industry that you're in, so that when they are in the buying window, you're the person they call. Right. Right? So it costs way less to nurture your database than it is to create, you know, new leads all the time. 
Although we do want you creating new leads on a regular basis. And part of that is nurturing your, uh, your database to find referrals. But yeah. I mean, the acquisition costs of a new customer can get expensive. Nurture the ones you already have. Nurture it. And you know, one of our employees, partners, oh, she always says, the, she always can, calls this the low-hanging fruit, right? Your referral business, the people that you already know that you've already been of service to, they are happier to refer you to somebody that they know than somebody that they've never met. If you are of service, even if you've never sold them anything, even if they've never purchased anything from you, if you continue to be of service to them, providing them insight, providing them feedback, providing them whatever you can. Value. Value providing them some sort of value by having a relationship with you, you can earn their referral business as well. That's right. All right, number 14 here, last one. Lesson number 14, that some money is better than no money on certain deals. Flexibility creates profit more than inflexibility. You're going to have to explain that one. Yeah, so uh, this, uh, another quarter there. So let's talk about a listing agent, right? They're going to go and do a deal and they're sitting with the seller here and everything's good. And then it's time to start talking about commission, right? Now, you know, normally a seller is going to do a 6% commission rate and you're going to sell their house and you're going to help them buy another house, right? You're double dipping this deal. It's a great deal. Right. And you and the, the seller knows it that you're going to be double dipping and they're like, you know what? Hook me up on some commission here. Would you mind if we did it maybe at 4% and you come back with, no, I'm sorry. My standard is 6%. This is what I do on all my deals. You know, take it or leave it. What are you thinking? Ooh, you're going to lose this deal over 2% where you're going to, maybe you only get 4% on the sales side, but you'll still get your two and a half, three percent on the, on the buyer side. When you sell the property, like be a little flexible here, right? Understand where it's at. Maybe, you know, I've done some deals where I work with a seller. I'm like, look, let's do this deal and we're, we'll structure it where I'll, I'll sell your home for 4%. I'll split with the buyer 2%, 2% because, you know, the market was high in our area. So I didn't need the full 3%. I got 2%. That's that's fine. Um, and you know what? He was a for sale by owner and we did a competition. I was like, look, I'm going to go and put your house on the market. You know, if I get it sold for you, we'll do it at 4%. If you get it sold, right, if you go out and find the buyer, I'll handle the whole transaction for you and it will just be a flat 1500 bucks. How about that? I mean, that's one of our five money-making activities, negotiating. Negotiating. I would rather get $1,500 uh, to do the transaction to handle the paperwork and help them through escrow than to get nothing. And at the very least, the guy's still happy. He might refer me to somebody else. Right, right. 10% of something is better than 100% of nothing. And I'm a professional here. I am a professional listing agent. So I know when I list this property, I'm going to get it sold and I'm going to earn that 4%. Right. Right. I know I'm going to I'm going to get it sold faster than he will and in his strategy, he's not a professional. He's just trying to get his price and save himself money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to help him get it sold in the quickest amount of time possible with the least hassle to him. We're both trying to get the same thing done. But I'm I need to be a little more flexible when I depending on what market conditions we're in, right? I can't be inflexible at all times. Some money is better than no money. Stop walking away from full commission deals when you could have received half the commission. Somebody's gonna get paid on this transaction. Why, Why not, not you? you? Why not you? Right? You're either yep. gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. Make a choice here. Go out and make some money. And and again, you're gonna make a choice here. You're either going to go to our website today, csfirst.com, and you're going to click on the coaching call, 
or you're not, right? But stop kidding yourself about trying to make a change and keep doing the same things you're doing on a daily basis. If you want to make a change, if you really want to get to the level where you where you are a top producer, where you're making the money that you've been dreaming about, where you're paying off all your bills, where you're going on vacation, it takes that next level thinking. It takes that coaching to help you get to that next level, to help you reach where you want to go so we can fine tune your scripts, so we can fine tune your presentation skills, so we can help you create a pre-listing package, so we can do all the different things that we need Uh, that we train our agents to do so that they are top producing agents. Go to our website, csfirst.com, click on the free coaching call. And again, if you ever have any questions, if you have something you want to ask us, um, go ahead and send me an email, hernan at csfirst.com or james at csfirst.com, or you can follow us on our new Twitter at Business Bros Pod at Business Bros Pod. So join the conversation, follow us on Facebook. But that's all I got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And I'm out.